0: This is Craig Colquitt, former punter for the University of Tennessee Volunteers and the Pittsburgh Steelers, and you are listening to Total Sports Recall Podcast, a part of Sports History Network. Now, here is your host, Harv Aronson. Welcome to the Total Sports Recall Podcast. I'm your host, Harv Aronson, and this episode point focus on football, the Pittsburgh Steelers type. Did you know the Pittsburgh Steelers have 31 players, coaches, and executives that have been inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame? However, they fall behind in having the most with that honor, going that going to the Chicago Bears, who have had 36 enshrined at Canton. Green Bay is next with 33, followed by Dallas, and Washington with 32. With that said, Ben Roethlisberger will go in one day, and rest assured, so will T.J. Watt. So Pittsburgh's count will be rising one day in the future. What follows is a brief profile of all 31 members of the Hall of Fame that were Steelers players, coaches, or executives. We'll do this in alphabetical order, and the first one up is Burt Bell. From 1941 through 1946, Bell represents the Steelers in the Hall because he was the head coach for one season in 1941 and also shared ownership of the team with Art Rooney Sr. from 1940 through 1946. He was also the NFL commissioner from 1946 through 1959. Next up, we have Jerome Bettis. And unhappy as a member of the Los Angeles Rams, the Los Angeles Rams gifted the Steelers via trade in 1996 that redirected the bus through Pittsburgh where he played until he retired and hung up the cleats as a Super Bowl champion when Pittsburgh won Super Bowl 40. Thanks to a miraculous tackle by Ben Roethlisberger in the divisional playoffs, Bettis avoided a near-disastrous fumble. He was a Steeler from 1996 through 2005. John Blood McNally, 1934 and then 1937 through 1938. One of the early great players in the NFL, McNally had just three stints with the Steelers in 1934 and then as a player coach from 1937 through 1938 and as just the coach in 1939. McNally's also in the Green Bay Packers Hall of Fame. Mel Blunt, 1970 through 1983. A member of all four of the Steelers' 1970s Super Bowl champions, Blunt was one of the league's all-time best defensive packs and a hard hitter. Terry Bradshaw, the Blonde Bomber, played for the Steelers from 1970 through 1983. Thomas Hollywood Henderson, once said of Bradshaw. He couldn't spell cat if you spotted him, the C-N-A. Of course, Bradshaw got the last laugh, beating the Cowboys in two Super Bowls. Bradshaw owns four rings, but his stats keep him from being amongst the best ever. Still, he made it into the highest honor possible, the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Jack Butler played for the Steelers from 1951 through 1959. What's amazing about Jack Butler is that he was not just born in Pittsburgh, He played his pro ball there as well and passed away in the same city he spent his entire life in. One of the greatest defensive backs ever, Butler played just nine seasons but intercepted an amazing 52 passes along the way. Butler made the Pro Bowl four times and was a four-time first-team All-Pro. He's a member of the NFL 1950s All-Decade team and the Pittsburgh Steelers All-Time team. Butler was 85 years old when he passed away. Dermonti Dawson. 1988 through 2000 was his year for the Steelers and one in line of some of the best centers to ever play in the NFL. First, it was Ray Mansfield who gave way to Mike Webster, who gave way to Dawson, who gave way to Jeff Hardings, who handed the reins over to Marquis Pouncey. But who was the best of the bunch? Dawson and Webby are in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Pouncey might be headed there one day. This is a tough call, but I would cast my vote for either Dawson or Mike Webster with a slight edge to Dawson because he was more disciplined. Len Dawson, quarterback, 1957 through 1959. Despite most of his career being in Kansas City, Dawson was drafted by Pittsburgh and played just three seasons there. However, he's listed on the Hall of Fame list as a Steeler. That's good enough for me to lengthen her list, but Dawson's career marks are littered with honors. Bill Dudley. From 1942, he played in 1942, and then again in 1945 and through 1946. Bullet Bill Dudley was drafted by the Steelers with the NFL's first overall pick in 1942. He would enter military service, missing the 1943 and 1944 seasons, then return for two more with Pittsburgh before being traded to the Detroit Lions and then finishing his career with the Redskins. Bill Dudley could do it all. He has passing statistics to his cred, as well as leading the league in rushing in his rookie season with 696 yards on 162 rushes. He also punted that year, ran back punts, and kickoffs. Alan Fanica, from 1998 through 2007, was Fanica's reign as a Steelers guard. He finally got his due in 2021 after several years of trying, but most believed he was deserving of that honor. He was, after all, the best guard in his era, During his playing days, once a massive offensive lineman, today, Alan Fanick is a slim and trim uh, player, former player, and his appearance is much different than the sometimes bearded offensive beast he once was. Joe Green, 1969 through 1981. Mean, that was the nickname of this mammoth defensive lineman who fits the bill perfectly. A terror on defense, Green was the cornerstone of the steel curtain That punished opposing offenses throughout the 1970s, perhaps the greatest player in Pittsburgh Steelers history. uh, Kevin Green would be next on the list, and he played for the Steelers just for a few seasons, 1993 through 1995, and tragically died in 2020 at just 58 years of age. But in his three years with the Steelers, he was always a pass rushing threat. And for the Steelers Nation, despite playing for four other teams, he went into the Howlett Halls at Canton wearing the black and gold. Jack Ham. His days were from 1971 through 1982. And if you want a linebacker that is a more of a technician than a physical presence, look no further than Jack Ham. When it came to executing defensive maneuvers and plays, there may have been no one better than Ham. Like many other of his teammates, Ham had a following and it could not go unnoticed in Three River Stadium with a banner that read Dobroszanka, which in Slovak means great ham. Ham might even be underrated in some eyes because he was an outstanding linebacker that was sometimes overshadowed by another Jack, that being the Lambert type. Franco Harris, 1972 through 1983. Two words make football fans automatically think of the running back that wore jersey number 32, immaculate reception. Despite having an outstanding career, Franco Harris will forever be remembered for one crazy play. For the first time they made it the playoffs in 1972, it was Harris who became an instant hero by picking up a deflected pass at the end of the game with the Oakland Raiders to overcome a deficit in the score and send the Steelers onward to play the undefeated Miami Dolphins. But Harris was a part of all four Pittsburgh Super Bowl teams in the 1970s, and he ran with a style chalking up numerous 1,000-yard seasons. And sadly, Franco Harris passed away this year. John Henry Johnson played for the Steelers from 1960 through 1965. And up until Frank Harris came along, John Henry Johnson was probably the best running back in the history of the Steelers. Oddly enough, Johnson went to high school at Pittsburgh High School, but in California. He did play for the Calgary Stampeders, San Francisco 49ers, and the Detroit Lions before coming to Pittsburgh. Like Jerome Bettis many years later, John Henry Johnson came to the Steelers via trade. It took eight years to get the man they drafted in 1953 in the second round, but Johnson opted to go to Canada instead saying it was a better monetary offer. Then the Steelers owner, the late Art Rooney Sr., countered by saying Johnson did not want to play in the Pittsburgh cold. Robert Cal Hubbard. We only have him for one year, 1936, and he's an interesting Hall of Fame member given the fact That He played for the Steelers for just that one season in 1936, and that came at a time the Steelers were known as the Pirates, like their baseball counterpart in town. But after football, Hubbard would become one of the best baseball umpires in history. Jack Lambert, 1974 through 1984, the Count, as he is well known, is my favorite player all time. That's due to his tenacity, attitude, and not to be intimidated by anyone. Jack Lambert was not your prototypical linebacker. Weighing just around 220 pounds today, he would be way undersized for the position. But Lambert played like he was 275 pounds and would hit any opposing player at all costs and then try to intimidate him. In Super Bowl X, he came to the rescue of teammate Roy Jarella, who had missed a field goal only to be, only to be taunted by the Dallas Cowboys, team, uh, Dallas Cowboys' Cliff Harris. Lambert proceeded to slam Harris to the field, defending his kicker. That was Jack Lambert in a nutshell. Bobby Lane, 1958 through 1962. It seems to me that the Pro Football Hall of Fame uses their judgment as to how they list inductees in regards to who they represent in the hall. I say that because most of Bobby Lane's career was spent with the Detroit Lions and his final five seasons were with the Pittsburgh Steelers. But Lane had the reputation of being a wild man who was full of character and loved to go out on the town. If you never heard of it before, there is a myth called the curse of Bobby Lane. It evolved after the Lions trade Lane to the Steelers, and he responded to the trade by saying the Lions would not win for 50 years. So for the next 50 years, Detroit posted one of the worst winning percentages in the league. While the quote was never published in any periodical, it can only be believed if you believe the word of mouth that comes as a myth. Regardless, the losing period by the Lions did exist, and did come after Lane left the team. Marion Motley, 1955. Again, we have another player who spent nearly all of his career with a team other than the Pittsburgh Steelers. For Motley, it was the Cleveland Browns, and then he spent just one season in Pittsburgh. Motley was a rugged runner in the mold of a Jim Brown with a little more moxie, but with the Steelers, he hardly played. He was involved in just six games and carried the ball twice, but he's listed with the Steelers on the Hall of Fame list. Next up is the legendary Chuck Knoll. Chuck Knoll was our coach from 1969 through 1991. The man who started it all, the winning that is. It took Chuck Knoll just a few seasons to get the ball rolling after he was hired in 1969. In fact, his rookie season saw a final record of just 1-13. and But by drafting Joe Green with his first draft, that selection began the process of building a dynasty. Noel would coach a long time and was revered in Pittsburgh, and he, too, passed away just a few years ago. Troy Palomalo, 2003 through 2014. The Tasmanian devil, Troy Palomalo, may have been one of the wildest players at defensive back or safety ever in the NFL. Palomalo would play with reckless abandon, and sometimes that cost him by missing a tackle. But he was a hard hitter and a sure tackler, and one distinct memory of number 43 that stands out for me is his return of a Carson Palmer interception in a game against Cincinnati that just saw Palmer in the way of a pick six. Palomalo simply ran over his former teammate at USC. Art Rooney, Roberto Clemente, Bill Mazeroski, Steve Blass, Willie Stargell, Bob Prince, all these former Pittsburgh athletes were adored by Pittsburghers. However, Art Rooney Sr. might top all of them. If he grew up in Pittsburgh and followed the Steelers, most fans felt like they knew Rooney, even if they never met him. Born in the Pittsburgh section of Coulterville, Rooney never left the city, and he personified what it meant to be a native of Pittsburgh. He was everything Pittsburgh and was a caring and gentle man that even those who weren't Steelers fans at the time, Pittsburgh won Super Bowl IX, their hearts warmed at the sight of seeing the old man hoisting the Steelers' first ever Lombardi Trophy. Art Rooney was also an accomplished athlete, and a good boxer, and also played baseball. He was the owner from the inception of 19, at 1933 when the team was founded until his death in 1988. Dan Rooney, 1955 through 2017. Art Rooney's son, Dan, would eventually take over the Steelers after his father's death. He, too, was a fan favorite, and he eventually became the ambassador to Ireland athletic like his father Dan Rooney was a quarterback at North Catholic High School in Pittsburgh at his passing he had been married to his wife Patricia for an incredible 65 years Donnie Shell It took a long time for Shell to be inducted but I'm sure he feels it was worth the wait one of the best special teams players of the 1970s Shell was also an outstanding player in Pittsburgh's defensive backfield a very very hard hitter i recall him planting a blasting tackle on the very rugged Earl Campbell. Ernie Stotner, from nineteen fifty through nineteen sixty three, he played in Pittsburgh. Unfortunately for Stotner is that he played in the nineteen fifties when the Steelers were not very good and did not win much. But knowing playoffs were always out of their reach, the Pittsburgh Steelers became one of the least favorite teams to play against because they played so hard and so aggressively. Pittsburgh's defenses wanted to beat up other teams and they did it well. And that personality was led by the legendary Ernie Stotner. John Stallworth, 1974 through 1987. If there was ever a lethal wide receiver combination in the NFL, John Stallworth and Lynn Swan would have to be considered a dual threat. Swan led the team with artistry and Stallworth with an uncanny ability to get open. Stallworth was a deep threat on every offensive play. And then you have his counterpart, Lynn Swan. Lynn Swan, the other half of the dynamic duo, He played with finesse and used his ability to dance ballet on the gridiron. Smooth as silk was Swan, and it was a polarizing counter to the athleticism of John Stallworth. When it came to Super Bowls, both receivers shined, but it was Swan who would make the more graceful and artistic receptions. Mike Webster from 1974 through 1988. Mike Webster's post-football life was a tragedy. He encountered many physical and financial troubles, and his health failed because of it just 50 years old when he died but the legacy he left behind in the football field is hall of fame worthy webster was a beast on the offensive line where he simply manhandled opponents rod woodson here we have perhaps the greatest all-around athlete ever to play for the pittsburgh steelers rod woodson was a track star and an outstanding cornerback when he left for the steelers via free agency left the steelers via free agency in 1997 and signed with the san francisco 49ers it left a bad taste in the mouths of Steeler fans who many felt he would, he chose another team over just a few million dollars shunning Pittsburgh's offer. The whole Whitson left behind though, has never really been filled with the kind of talent that he was. So there you have it. The players, coaches and executives in the pro football hall of fame that represent the Pittsburgh Steelers. That concludes this episode of total sports recall. So until next weekend, this is your host Harv Aronson saying you can reach me on my Twitter page using my handle at TSRHARV59 or by email at totalsportsrecall at gmail.com. Be sure to visit my website at com and my YouTube channel at www.youtube.com slash totalsportsrecall59. I want to wish everyone a great and safe week ahead. The contents of this podcast do not represent the opinions of others and are solely the opinions of Harv Aronson based on his experience, knowledge, and research.